there's no time like the present to bring back a game from the past so we can enjoy it in the future. This is the Veteran Wargamer. Jay Arnold, welcome to episode 74, and I am joined today by Martin Mawanowski and Elias Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for uh, coming on today. How are y'all? Thank you, too. Uh, yeah, we're pretty well. Uh, and basically, uh, <laughs> waiting for your questions. Okay. Um, Hello. Hi everyone, I'm Elias. I hail from Greece. I am wishing you a great time from a sunny, almost summery day from an island called Tinos. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, now, Martin and Elias are working on a resurrection of a classic game from the late 90s called Cronopia, and which it was a unique take on a fantasy setting to say the least uh, it was a fun game my my gaming group in kansas city uh really enjoyed it and we played a heck of a lot of chronopia uh and i i for one i was floored when i stumbled across the chronopia twitter handle and started seeing what they're doing and i reached out to to martin and he so graciously agreed to come on the show so we can talk about the project and he said, well, we need to have Elias also, and here we are. So, guys, I'm going to ask you both the same question that I ask all my guests the first time they're on, and that is, what makes you a veteran wargamer? Hmm. Uh, let Elias say first. I'll, I'll answer later. <laughs> veteran wargamer of Chronopia or veteran wargamer generally? In, in general. The genre? In general. Uh, I... Oh, whoa, that's a tough one. Didn't really consider that. Uh, if I have to answer from the top of my head, I would have to say that uh, it's depending. It's dependent on the years that you have spent on the hobby, painting, wargaming, coming uh, in touch with friends, meeting new game groups. That's the whole experience of uh, gaming that uh, I dearly, dearly love. Okay, from me... Uh, what I can say about the veteran, yes, I started a uh, journey with the uh, hobby about 20 years ago. And it was uh, a lot of different games, but uh, the very first one was uh, Warzone from Target Games. Mm -hmm. and later on, uh, I came to, to meet the Warhammer and Warhammer 40k. And when I see Warhammer 40k and I already had Warzone, I said, no, I will stick with Warzone. It's better rules, better universe. And later, of course, came Chronopia or Chronopia. And like you say, it depends on the country and <laughs> the pronunciation of the, of the game. Uh, in Poland was Chronopia. Uh, and uh, yes, Basically, uh, my parents had a shop uh, with uh, were selling computers and tabletop games. It was like a mix a little bit, but I okay. was in late 90s, so uh, a, a shop with mix. But yeah, that time, basically, we had a, uh, I got that opportunity. So I had uh, the first eye on the new uh, upcoming games. And uh, yeah, Chronopia really... Uh, really just uh, brought uh, my mind to the different mm -hmm. different uh, view on the games yes and uh, uh, I still got you know like Warhammer Fantasy Battles few armies but uh, the uh, the models are painted uh, in the cabinet and just gathering dust right <laughs> <laughs> right now um, Martin you live in England now but you're originally from Poland and, and I gotta say I, I went to Poland in 1995. I, I should say I went through Poland. I, I was on a language immersion training trip to uh, Belarus. Mm -hmm. And we went through Warsaw on, on a train and we had a long enough stop that I, we could get off and uh, 
take a look around and I found a bookshop in the Warsaw train station and there was a copy of Space Hulk for sale in 1995. I I snapped a picture of it and I got to think at that time they they weren't publishing rules in in Polish in the 90s were they or oh it depends on the company Games Workshop was only uh, I don't want uh, I don't want to use the bad words, but they said, oh, only English, only English. And at that time, everything was in English. Mm-hmm. So, OK, it was a nice touch for the players who wanted to uh, learn, uh, you know, foreign languages like me do. I, I basically learn English over the games on PC or role playing games or other tabletop games because they were in English only in Poland. Mm-hmm. But uh, target games. Uh, was releasing games uh, translated. So, Chronopia, okay. Warzone, Doom Trooper, and every yeah. game was translated to Polish and to any other language in Europe. So, it was in Italian, in Greek. Uh, so, I think that's why Target Games uh, get more um, people in, around the Europe than Games Workshop. And that's why still we remember those games, I think. So, <laughs> okay. of course, in Europe. And Elias, did you uh, first play the target games in in your native Greek? Yes, yes. Uh, that actually was my first touch with a wargaming concept. I was back then in junior high. I was like 13, 14 years old in the far past, not future. Uh, I actually had to learn English because of my, you know, touch with hobby, mm-hmm. but Target Games actually had this um, comparative uh, advantage that uh, had the policy of uh, translating all their rule sets in the native language of the country sold. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that when you, that in my game group, at least of 14 years old, very good use of, Eng- of the English language was something very difficult for us. And uh, this was the advantage that uh, both Warzone and Chronopia got. On top of that, I loved both the settings. It was very rich, both the Chronopia and the Warzone. Mm-hmm. And that uh, had me hung uh, by the thread. Uh, like, what's the next episode of this, of this series of Chronopia? What will happen next? Unfortunately, I don't know if our uh, viewers right now did know that, Target uh, had to to discontinue their line of uh, both their ranges of the more grimdark, futuristic Warzone and of the more classic fantasy Chronopia. So, like most of us, I had to turn to Games Workshop for hmm. my for my needs in, right, in geeking. Right. right. Yeah, we. Uh, I remember when first Warzone and then Chronopia came out, we were definitely looking for an alternative to Games Workshop. And at the time, there were there were other alternatives, at least in fantasy and science fiction, but they certainly weren't as well produced as Target Games products. Uh, you know, if you compare books from comparative in the era, Games Workshop was still publishing their books mostly in black and white, but Target yeah. books yeah. they were full color, cover to cover, and they were. Night, the you know, great artwork by Paul Bonner and uh Adrian Smith, for example, and just absolutely gorgeous books. Um, the figure designs, uh, the figure designs themselves were okay, but translating into the figures, especially in Warzone, there are some clunky figures in that line, let's be honest. Um, oh, yeah, we uh, uh, we made big fun of the fact that the the capital troops um you know they 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 had these pouches <laughs> around the cuff of their pants and we made fun of that but uh, uh just as a side note fast forward uh to when I was in Afghanistan I uh the, the US army is putting little pouches at the bottom of pants and uh <laughs> along the cuff and I started keeping a, a multi tool in in there because I was driving a vehicle a lot and you could reach that multi-tool super easy <laughs> yeah, while, yeah, you're yeah, sit- yeah. while you're sitting. So I, I kind of had to, had to come to terms with that. I, I wrote an email to a buddy of mine that I had played a lot of Warzone with and said, Hey, they actually work. 
But <laughs> anyway, um, ahead of their times. Oh, very. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then Cronopia came along, and you know, Cronopia was, you know, like nothing, like no other fantasy setting before or since. Um, it's before and after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think <laughs> yeah, yeah. anything else like Cronopia. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's and we'll we'll get into the setting a little bit deeper here in a second, but I, I just have to say that the the folks that came up with the setting for Cronopia, uh, it's it's definitely unique. It's not the your typical Tolkien-esque, well, let's just take Dark Ages Europe and and throw some some orcs in it. You know, there's there's yeah, there's yeah. definitely more to it and it's I would say wildly different than anything else that's out there. It's, and I, and I think that there's a certain, there's a certain quality to it that I can see being more universally appealing because it's not just, like I said, medieval Europe with, with orcs, you know? And, uh, but uh, I guess before we get too far into it, uh, as much as I'd like to sit and talk about Warzone, also, where <laughs> somebody else is doing Warzone or Mutant Chronicles, I guess you could say. But um, um, no, it will be Warzone Eternal and it will be released by a company called Resnova. Uh, it's based in the uh, States. So, okay. Yeah. If you want to try to do interview with them after, after our meeting, I can give you a details to contact them. And oh, that'd be great. They, they probably can tell you more. <laughs> That'd be great. I guess, I guess now the time has come. We need to discuss what is Chronopia. So we know it's a fantasy setting, but if either one of you would like to tackle yeah, sure. the, so I think tackle about that. the storyline, uh, the best person to tell is uh, Elias, because I'm more rules uh, rule guy, and <laughs> you know, I can <laughs> yeah, tell, yeah. of course, uh, bits and bobs about the story, but Elias is the better person. Yeah. So I will try to be as brief as I can because uh, it's not an overstatement when I say that the the lore of Chronopia is very rich. I try to to compact to make it more compact uh, in the form of like seventy pages, but mm. it's uh, full of information. It draws inspiration from many different historical, both monumental uh, events as well as people people and situations uh, along with uh, classic fantasy genres uh, to, to try to make it uh, as brief as possible. The, the humans, they're not actually called humans, they're called firstborn. Uh, they are the, the main protagonists of the whole story. The, uh, you can imagine them as being uh, armor-clad knights at the most of them. Uh, it's that's the most classic European uh, trope that we can uh, imagine of. Those mm-hmm. people uh, were the, the first ones that came into being. They were living in a sem- in a not a semi-barbaric, in a completely barbaric state, until one person came that was named uh, that came by the name of the One King. This guy united all those tribes and set the first kingdom. Besides that, there are three more main, uh, I would say, state actors. I try to to use a more uh, academic, uh, you know, jargon because I am also a PhD recipient of uh, international relations and strategic okay. studies. So here and here and there, you, maybe you will see some parts of my profession coming into into the lore. The other so sta- the the rest of the state actors are the the dwarves. The dwarves are generally the, I would say, the better people, as uh, as in the trope of good. They are um, heavily divided in clans. There are there is an infinite number of clans, and uh, up to that moment, initially, they were led by their gods. Their gods were like huge five or six meter meters guys called founders gods that they were leading their particular clan. The, this particular clan was made in very much, and they were generally more peaceful. They wanted to to just mine and to, to trade and mind their own business. Uh, of course, there, the, because there was a very large amount of those clans, 
some of those were more evil, some of them were more introverted. We don't even get to learn of all those uh, clans, and that, that was done on purpose because maybe in the future we will feel the need to introduce a new, smaller, or a lost clan or something like that. So it's very open-ended on the dwarves. Then comes the, the elves. The elves are, the, they are not like the Tolkien elves. They're not nice. They have strong divergences from the classic fantasy elves. The, first of all, they are heavily clad in armor. Mm-hmm. That, that's something new. They are not wearing like leather armor and stuff like that. They are heavily armored, more heavily than the humans, than the firstborn. Uh, secondly, they are not nice, not nice at all. They are, uh, they come in three, they are divided in three houses, currently, at least, in, in our current timeline, there are three houses. There used to be more, these are the major houses, and there are many more smaller vassal houses to those big ones. Uh, those elves are uh, malicious, they feel, uh, you know, Jealousness towards for the firstborn, and they always were like, we were, we are the, the actually civilized ones, the, live, the leaders of the world. Who are you that you come here claiming to have rights and wanting to, to, to have your place under the sun? So they're not all of them plainly evil, though we have one house that is plain evil, but the rest of them are like arrogant, um, and they're always trying to backstab one another, stuff like that. So it's mm. more like the Byzantine trope. Mm-hmm. Not evil per se, all of them, but it's more Byzantine. Uh, finally, we have the Black Bloods, which is uh, based as a theme in Arabic and Persian Sassanid empires. More, I would say, the Arab empire. Uh, and they are comprised by four major races. Uh, all this uh, Black Blood Empire shows all the, um, the insignia of uh, a typical empire that had all the friction among its, uh, the internal friction, the need to, to expand, the martial prowess uh, ideology. We have, so we have four races in there. The trolls, which the trolls are 400, 400 huge beasts, like three and a half meters tall but they are relatively peaceful. We have the orcs, which are by far the most populous. They comprise the vast majority of the empire. We have the goblins, which are like second-class citizens. They are short. They are uh, dealt by all the rest of the imperial serfs as second-class citizens. They are thrown as fodder in the field of battle. They are used as slaves. They are beaten. They are completely disregarded. Uh, from those goblins, there are some um, nomadic elements that have left, and they're living like uh, nomads in the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have the, the leaders of the, of the whole empire, the ogres, which are larger. They're like two, two and a half meters tall, extremely muscular, very strong, very angry. And those uh, three factions, the elves, the dwarves, and the black bloods, Came together at one point, forming the triad. Triad in Greek, in Greek means actually it's a Greek word. It means the three, mm-hmm. <laughs> the formation of the three. So they come together. They overthrow the first kingdom of the firstborn and they enslave the firstborn. Uh, for ages, they start using the firstborn as slaves for their uh, everyday needs until, and they are, of course, they treat them in a horrible manner. Then the firstborn somehow start rebelling. And when the rebellion is all but doomed, because the triad forces are formidable, uh, the one king returns from the dead. He is actually born again, and he comes and he delivers his people, and he forms the second kingdom uh, of, the, of the firstborn. Uh, but there is a small caveat in that. The coming of the one king, the return of the one king, had been prophesied by four people, the four prophets. When the one king actually returns in large, due to the work and the um, groundwork laid by the four prophets, mm-hmm. the four prophets are actually put on the sidelines for their uh, good work, and they feel betrayed by that. So they start looking for different, uh, for a different source of power, and the 
find the dark one. The dark one is uh, basically, I would have to say, the devil. It's not, of course, not in the Christian or in the Western notion of that, but it's it's the big guy, bad guy. It's Morgoth, to, to, to put it in Tolkienian uh, terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dark one in the past has has laid many claims on many races. He in the far past, in the, in the era of myths. He got a foothold in the elves and the other elves allied together and just overthrew that uh, corrupt house. Uh, he corrupted parts of the of the goblin of the not of the goblin sorry of the dwarf uh, clans one clan in particular. Uh, this is an, a, another subplot that I don't want to expand over that because it will take too long. Uh, but generally, the dark one all the times that he tried to expand in the mortal realm. He was thrown back. And now he got a foothold in the four prophets. The four prophets betray the one king, leave the kingdom, rebel against that. And there is a huge civil war that is covered extensively, of course. Uh, the, the kingdom bleeds uh, with very difficult, uh, under difficult circumstances. The one king manages to restore law and order and uh, the four prophets are expelled. Then they get even more arcane power from the Dark One, and they form four strongholds in the four corners of the world. And they are practically besieging the whole world, trying to bring demons and corruption and the darkening, as it's called in the lore, mm-hmm. in, in our world. And so those, those are the five uh, main actors of all that. Uh, I hope I did not put it in too much perplexing terms. Trust me, if you read it, it makes much more sense. Yeah. I don't know if you want to ask me something on that day. <laughs> well, it's, and again, that's, you can definitely, you know, you kept using the word trope, which is definitely appropriate. You know, there are a number of classic fantasy tropes that, you know, Cronopia kind of hints at, but they're not as, uh, they're not as heavily reliant on not- those on those fantasy tropes. And there's one thing about the, uh, the devout that I always liked is that, you know, they were, you know, you, you get plenty of evil quote unquote races in, in your fan in most fantasy settings, but it was, I thought they were neat because they were kind of a mix between uh, demonic and undead and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, definitely hearkening to more of an underworld type, uh aspect of that and uh you you mentioned that the the dwarves were kind of the closest thing to the good guys that there are and i i would think that it's the black bloods but i was a black blood player so i might be biased (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i would say every race uh, could be as close to the good ones as as well to the bad bad ones bad guys so Uh, it depends on the time you look at them, really. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the Black Bloods are the more martial ones, you know, the more martial ones, the more expansive ones. And they do it not because they're evil. They do it because they. this is the only means in order to preserve their empire from internal strife, from stuff like that. Right, absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a nifty... Uh, it, it's... It's neat to see a setting where there are those ambiguities because those ambiguities exist in real life, right? And it's a matter, yes, of, yes. it's certainly a matter of perspective as to you know who's evil and who's not, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and the aesthetic also was a big draw for me because um, you know, like you mentioned, you know, the the elves are heavily armored, and seeing heavily armored elves is certainly a big change from what we've seen in the past with, with many, uh, with many such, uh, fantasy settings. Right. And you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, leather or, you know, maybe some, some, cha- you know, some mithril, you know, light chain mail type stuff. But, uh, and again, in particular, the, the black bloods, they seem the most, you know, feasible design, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they, you know, they're, they're aesthetic, as established, you know, you mentioned an Arabic or a or a Sassanid Persian type of look to them, and you know, it's not too much of a stretch if you take a look at the old figures. And I still have a number of my old figures. I did, you know, it's one of those things I, I traded off some of my 
Black Blood. I think they were, I think they were archers. I still had them in the blister, and I traded them for a for a board game. And I, I, I don't often regret hobby choices like that. But to, to anyone listening, don't ever trade off or sell any of your miniatures ever. Just, just don't. You're, you're gonna <laughs> yeah, regret it. I guarantee it. Um, About aesthetics, I can tell that uh, in our new reboot because uh, I prefer to call it Reboot than uh, Resurrection. Uh, any personal, that's the personal reason. Anyway, uh, in our Reboot, uh, we couldn't get uh, the old artists because they're basically unavailable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will have a new set of artists uh, which we try to find to fit as close to the old aesthetics and uh, if you saw a few of uh, latest illustrations over the Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you can see it's very close to the old, old, uh, old illustrations. So, uh, yeah, I can tell that uh, the old fans will uh, really uh, enjoy the new illustrations we will present. And uh, it will just keep, of course, we will use the old one as well. So it will be a mix of the new illustrations and all that already was uh, uh, published. But that will create just something something new that everyone will enjoy. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing more. You know, the, the first, I can't remember, I think it was, I think it was a, a, an ogre. Uh, you had published a picture of an ogre on Twitter, or maybe I saw it on Facebook. I forget no, exactly. I think it, it was. It or was, was it a troll? A troll with a forehand troll. Yeah, troll, troll death seeker, and later on was orc archer. Yeah, and I'm I'm really yeah. looking forward to seeing seeing where y'all go with that. Um, no, we've got a lot more, but basically we cannot publish them all now. Sure, so. sure, sure, sure. You gotta you gotta keep some secrets. Um, now you had mentioned you're preferring the term reboot, um, but it sounds like the the basic core tenets of the story are still there. Um, Elias, yes, are there are there any? We, uh, yes. we take in the time uh, the timeline that it was uh, published in the two editions of Chronopia to the beginning, and we start to redoing it. So of course it will be uh, very similar that it was but uh, expanded mm-hmm. in different yeah. uh, things. My, my goals were, when writing that, were the following. First of all, I wanted to approach the whole idea with the utmost respect, because I, actually, before I came on the project, Chronopia was my favorite, by far, setting that I had ever laid my hands on. So mm-hmm. I wanted to approach that with the utmost respect. I did not want to, to start creating strange stuff that... Uh, it would uh, I alienate people like, hey, I don't remember that from my early age. Right. That was the first one. The second one that I had in mind was to, for all this, to make uh, strategically and historically sense. I didn't want to just create magical mambo jumbo falling from the sky. Everything had to have a particular reason mm-hmm. and causation in order to take place in the setting. Uh, the other the other part that I wanted to add was uh, the personal uh, perspective of many of the key actors. Uh, everything has to be done for a reason. If you are a bad person, okay, I do understand. I will write you like a bad person, but your evilness has to have some reason behind that. It cannot be that you are just plain evil. Mm-hmm. Okay, your evil has to have an ultimate goal. Yes, that's why this comes heavily in terms of uh, whilst writing uh, the elves, I would say. The obsidian serpent elves are the evil house that I mentioned about. In the old lore, it was just heavily implied that they are plain evil, like, I don't know, genetically. Like, whatever you do, it's evil. Right. I wanted to, to shift that. It's not like to the genetic level that you are just had a bad upbringing, that's why you became bad and you're doing, doing naughty things. No. Uh, you are being evil because there is an incentive behind that and that you are completely ruthless as a house and you are not uh, refraining from doing the basest and the most dishonorable stuff around in order to achieve your goals. And I think that the reader is more ready 
to, um, to to connect with this kind of characters. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that there there's plenty of room for that type of exploration where you know there's there's definitely you know the uh, you know most fantasy or actually any any fictional characters you know that are quote unquote evil they typically speaking i mean in real life you know whoever we might consider evil they don't consider themselves evil right it's the old mitchell and webb uh sketch with the ss officers you know are we the baddies you know and uh that uh that was one of the things that i liked about chronopia is that you know there's a pretty strong argument for any any one of those factions yeah, yeah. and you know the devout i mean they i'm not gonna say they made a good case but at least they made a case for why they were doing yeah. what they were doing you know and it wasn't just oh oh by the way they're evil you know and now but they're it, making a better case now now <laughs> i think that in the matter that they, in the in the manner they have written them the four different prophets have four different personalities for what i meant was even i wanted to, to just to, to sum it up even the bad guys that the elves the the house of the elves that more or less would be the bad guys have a certain incentive for being bad guys they are not the bad guys because the sun set in a different manner today uh, i don't want to to get into man, too many spoilers but the idea is that uh, the the duke of that house has always been looked upon or looked down by his peers he was not the smartest of the sticks uh, everyone was everybody was like you are discardable. Nobody takes you for sure, uh, seriously. And he had to turn to more sinister powers and he got carried away to the path of evil. And you see progressively in the main lore him slipping towards the side of evil. And just a small spoiler, you have not seen him, uh, you know, fall far enough in the path, in the path to the dark power. Mm. Well, certainly, certainly some exciting things going on in, in the setting I'm, I'm like i said I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back into that setting for sure now i think one thing about chronopia and warzone both because they had a similar maybe not exactly all the same rules right down the line but they were at their core very very similar games rules wise uh martin did you want to talk a little bit about maybe just to touch about how the game the games used to play and now how the rules are looking no, these days no. Uh, sure, of course. So the previous uh, the previous rule set was unique at the time uh, because it had the alternate activation of the units, uh, which gives you a little bit more of uh, commanding over your army than uh, you just sitting over the table for half an hour and uh, waiting till your opponent, you know, move all his armies, wipe out of all, of all your miniatures, and then it comes to the, your turn. So. Uh, basically, that time was uh, really something, and that's why I think Warzone and Chronopia was uh, and so many people came to that systems. Uh, but now, of course, the times change. It's uh, more than twenty years after the release of the first uh, rules, and uh, something need had to be changed. You know, if we would if we would release exact the same rules as it was before. Uh, you would get that uh, book and say, oh, okay, why they do this? Oh, no, no, I don't like it. I could play uh, some, you know, the, the rules from the past. So it had to be changed and it had to be alternated a little bit, but still the new rule set will uh, keep the alternate activations of the units. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you've got the units of archers or mage, they can move, shoot, you know, cast spells in their own activations, but... What has changed is because Chronopia is based on the close combat. So uh, I always hated the thing that uh, your model comes into close combat, uh, giving hits to the opponent, and he just standing, do nothing, taking the hits. And if he survives, he can fight back. If we get back to the Warzone second edition, I think they introduce uh, a system of uh, simultaneously fight in close combat. But still, it wasn't uh, enough for me to, to mm -hmm. put that implement in the uh, today's rules. So uh, I have to separate the close combat phase at the end. Uh, 
basically, so all the alternate moves uh, of activations of the units, mine, yours, mine, yours, uh, till the end of the round, and then comes to the fight. You can, you can think like, oh, but uh, so what's the point of alternating uh, activations if the fight is on the back? Yes, there is, because uh, the charge bonus. So the, if I activate first, I can charge your uh, models. And then in, in the fight at the end of, the you know, of our turn, I'll get much more bonuses to the fight than you do. Mm -hmm. uh, so even if the, if the fight is simultaneously, basically I can do more damage if I charged. So that, that's the major thing that has been changed through the old Chronopia. And... Uh, there are few little more surprises that we are preparing, like uh, rules for solo play. It okay. will be more more like uh, RPG gaming, or I would I would I would compare it to uh, Diablo One. So when you, or even uh, you know, you, you're creating your own hero, uh, then that oh, okay. after a few few games you can. Uh, attach to him another uh, heroes, but still the, the first one is like you, and you're crossing uh, the universe of uh, Chronopia, meeting the uh, animals and the opponents, doing some missions, uh, and after a few battles, you just got a, a boss fight. So th that will be uh, our solo uh, rules, with, which will be in the main rulebook. So basically for uh, people who just want to try or, or don't have uh, at the spare day uh, opponent to play, they can do it by themselves. Next thing, uh, we uh, separate rules for four um, size of the games. So you can play hero skirmish size where on the side you will use about five miniatures. It's uh, especially uh, for newcomers. So if you want to test our new okay. game, you just uh, can buy our starter set, which will have uh, eight models, uh, four for each faction. For two factions, there will be devout and uh, elves of crystal lotus in it. Okay. And uh, basically, you can you can learn the rules, play, and it's still more like RPG uh, the missions than the normal play. But next level is a patrol fight when you use about twenty miniatures. Uh, per side and that level gives you opportunity to uh, check which unit uh, what how it works you know so that unit uh, okay is a close combat uh, unit that unit can dig somewhere uh, in the opponent uh, deployment zone that unit can do that unit can that so that's the point and i think uh, it's the really most enjoyable and uh, fast play, so the game will last about an hour, hour and a half uh, tops, if mm -hmm. you not rush. And another level is army, army level, which you play about 40-50 miniatures per side, and it's uh, as close to the old Chronopia as it was. Okay. And that battle, okay, it's a long afternoon game, let's say, two, three hours uh, on a tournament probably will be less if you know all the rules and, and such things. Sure, sure, sure. And, and the last level, which uh, at the beginning is aimed for the old fans uh, that always wanted to play a huge, like, Chronopia uh, uh, Empire game, yeah? It's called the Grand Army level. So the more models you put on the on the table, uh, the better. Uh, the game will last, okay, about three hours, I would say. Even more, if you put more, but uh, you can you can make battles like in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, really. So, you know, okay. one army against another army. So that, that's the main uh, changes uh, to the old game. And we try to, you know, uh, go to, to the market today and hit the, uh, the players who never heard about the Chronopia before, that they will find something enjoyable. And uh, the players uh, who, for example, played Warhammer Fantasy Battle, and we know that system died a few years ago, mm -hmm. and they can find something as well in, in new Chronopia.
yeah it sounds it sounds like with just a few modernizations to the mechanisms and just a little bit of expansion here and there it's it's almost like you're you're going to be selling three or four games now <laughs> is that is that all going to be in the same rule book or are you going to have expansions for the different levels of play or what, do you have a plan there or what is, i should say what is the plan there uh, so in the main rule book there will be uh, rules for all the all the levels of the game mm. uh, it's it's not that complicated uh, as it sounds i would say the main rules still exactly the same just uh, how you build the armies uh, changes and a few tweaks uh, here and there so for example if you play the normal uh, normal game you uh, roll the dice uh, the die out for each model separate but if you play the huge battle in the rules it say it's not a problem to grab 20 dice and just roll it once so it will make the game faster mm -hmm. uh, so yeah but all everything will be in the main rule book in expansions oh expansions is a different story uh, but it depends on how good Kickstarter goes. Uh, so it uh, that will depend how many expansions we will show to the people. Really. Sure, sure. Um, now you brought it up, so I'll I'll stick it to you. I figured you. I mean, when we talked earlier, you'd mentioned that there there's going to be a Kickstarter. Do you have a timeline for when that's going to happen, or are you just wanting to make sure everything's right before? Yes, we've got a timeline, that. which is uh, first quarter of 2022, which is already now. But I would aim about March, really, or I think uh, March or end of the March. Uh, at the minute, we are working on the background, on the uh, Kickstarter view and everything, how it will look on, on that page. So, you know, we cannot tell exact date, but mm -hmm. yes, it will be like two, two and a half months from now okay. on. Uh, so yes, very soon, and uh, when the, our uh, marketing campaign will start, yes, that that then probably there will be a date. Uh, okay. Given. All right, all right, sounds great. Now you mentioned a total of eight miniatures, four devout and four elves. Uh, what was it? Uh, in the starter. Uh, in the starter. Yeah. yeah, and now about the miniatures, because anyone that's seeing the pictures can tell that you're you have a designer that is designing the figures as stls so you're going to be you're 3d modeling the figures and then you mentioned earlier when we were when we were talking offline that uh you're going to be producing the miniatures yourself so are yes, there okay. are what, uh, what's the plan are you going to sell individual figures is it going to be unit packs what how, how's that going to work? Okay, yes. Uh, so our designer is uh, Barrow Studio from Spain, a really fantastic guy who's doing uh, awesome miniatures, mm -hmm. uh, as you can see. Uh, and yes, the, the models will be sold in the boxes, cardboard boxes, where you will find a model, a base for it, uh, and uh, cards. Uh, that will go for it. So, for example, if um, let's talk about the you know, Repulsor Knight model. Uh, so, one miniature, one base, and the cards that represent the unit, and the cards separate that represent uh, his uh, items or, or equipment he will have. Mm -hmm. uh, about the units, uh, there will be boxes with units, and uh, we are aiming. To that so uh, when, when you are playing the different levels of a game you've got like you can buy one model or you can buy as a unit and unit works from three models to 12 models for example uh, firstborn swordman and the box of the unit will be uh, three models so if you buy one box you can take out the models and play with them it's uh, not like uh, different companies uh, selling five models in the box, but to play you need seven. Right. So no, no. <laughs> if, if you if you buy one of the box, you can straight away take from. Of course, it will uh, need to attach to paint, clear, blah blah blah. Uh, or we know how how it works with the new with the box of the new models. Uh, but yeah, you can you can play with it. Uh, of course, if you have a bigger unit, 
you need to buy a few more boxes and then a box with a command group, which uh, it depends on the unit, will have a leader, banner, uh, musician, and some specialists like a great weapon or, or, or something else. Mm -hmm. uh, and the individual models will be sold as individual boxes. And as well, for the people who uh, like or, or get a 3D printing printer, we will, on the Kickstarter, we will uh, give an opportunity to them to get a STLs as well, but not the models itself, just, uh, I would say, the surroundings. Uh, so, like a terrain... Uh, okay. Ter terrain, uh, the objective markers, templates, everything uh, which is like around the models, not the models itself, will be uh, available via STL. Okay. All right. And the, the figures, when, when they're sold, they're going to be sold as, as like a plastic resin, I think you mentioned earlier. Yes, it will be resin. At the minute, I cannot confirm exactly uh, what kind of resin it will be and uh, what um, technique it will be done. Mm -hmm. But yes, it will be resin models. Oh, great. So... Are there any plans for now? I remember when Cronopia had gotten had gotten going there originally. There was the Empire, you know, and you just mentioned the Empire's version, which was a a smaller scale figure but larger scale battles game. Is there? Are y'all looking to resurrect or reboot that as well, or do you? Just, is that yeah. kind of a, a hope that's on the back burner, and we'll just see how things go. Uh, basically, we will see how the things go, but uh, yes, we discussed this in the background, and if everything goes well, uh, not only uh, Empire Chronopia will back, but maybe even some different uh, games or different uh, source of things that will introduce you to Chronopia. I can tell now that already one uh, rock band made a song for us and <laughs> yes in the world of chronopia and soon it will be available as a video clip so uh, i don't know if it will be on uh, kickstarter the premiere or or a little bit earlier uh, depends but uh, yes you know we, we try to uh, put a word of Chronopia to as many possibilities and many ways it can be and just really reboot that system that will live again. Yeah, I, for long. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about a Kickstarter in March. Uh, that's, yeah, you're, you're right. That's, that's not too far along. I mean, we're more than halfway through January. So it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely excited. I, I certainly, like I, like I've mentioned before, you know, I've mentioned on on this show before also that I've really enjoyed Cronopia, and I, I know I, maybe I'll finally get my miniatures painted for, <laughs> from the first go around. Uh, now, for the folks that still have their their old Cronopia miniatures, are you going to make cards available separately or as a as a uh, as a download okay, so maybe basically cards. Uh, will be only in uh, the, the, the boxes with the new boxes, mm -hmm. but the rules for the models will be in the book. So the okay. cards uh, will play um, the thing as uh, easier for you to uh, to find the rules about the models. Okay. And just like a reminder, really, okay. and not uh, not the core thing. The core rules is in the book. So the book is always uh, before the card. Uh, so if you will use the old models in your home game and you don't have a cards, yeah, you will have a book and you can use the rules from the book. Okay. Well, that's great. That's great. That's yeah. I, we play one man. more thing. One, one, uh, why uh, we put the cards uh, like for items separately because uh, they will be used in solo play. So for example, if uh, you know, uh, Pro, you know about the Diablo game, yeah? You're mm -hmm. walking, killing enemies, uh, you've got drops, blah, 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 and so on, and you're gathering stuff. 
So here the cards will play similar role. So you will be drawing a card and just checking, oh yeah, now I've got uh, flail, dwarf flail, and I play with first one. Not a problem, I will use it. So that gives another uh, nice thing of uh, um, RPG feeling, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I, I, I think that answers the, the questions I had as an old Chronopia fan. So uh, any other Chronopia fans listening, I hope that answered your questions as well. Uh, gentlemen, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of, out of your busy schedules to, to talk about a, a game in a setting that I really, really enjoy. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what y'all guys uh, come out with. Uh, do you have any, any parting, any parting comments, either of you to, to wrap things up? Uh, yes, I just wanted to add that uh, anyone hearing us wanting any further clarification, information, sneak peeks, stuff like that, there is an ongoing Facebook page that is constantly updated. We are both, me and Martin, readily available there, and the, we are actually expecting them to come and ask us whatever they like. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I, I have, I am on that Facebook group, and I'll have a link in the show notes for sure, as well as the uh, the the Twitter handle. Uh, I, I am more Twitter engaged than Facebook when it comes to my hobby in these days. So, guys, let's let's get some more stuff out on Twitter. All right. <laughs> yeah okay I, I will remember that because i'm posting you know instagram facebook and uh, recently i started uh, twitter for it so not a problem i will maybe update the twitter account with all the stuff has been published in other uh, other uh, social media yeah that'll be great i'll have uh, all three facebook ig and twitter in the show notes for sure so guys thank you so much i i really appreciate thank it i had a too. lot of fun kind of walking down memory lane with, with Cronopia and I'm looking forward to seeing what comes uh, in the future. Thank you very much for hosting us, Jay. Take care, everyone. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. On that note, as always, if the war game you're having isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. The Veteran Wargamer is copyright J. Arnold, 2022. Music courtesy of freemusicarchive.org.